Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in love. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether, whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Father, we thank you for your love, for the love that sent Jesus to the cross for our sins for the love that we have for each other, for the love that we have for you. Father, we thank you for your church. We thank you for what it means to each of us, for the effect it has in our lives. Again, we thank you for the sacrifice that gives us the hope of heaven one day. Father, we have so many who are sick. Especially, we want to thank about Hugh Birdwell, and we pray that you will give him relief from the pain, that you'll give the doctors and and those caring for him the knowledge to know how to to help him. Father Karen has been pretty sick this week, and we pray that you will bless her, continue to bless her. I know she's better, uh, and we're thankful that she's better. We pray that you will continue to, to help her improve. Father, we pray for the family of Kay Carrington, Kay Thrasher. We pray that you will give them the comfort that they need at this, in this time of their loss. Father, we also wish to ask for your blessings on, on Mary, Mary Dyer's family. Pray that you will uh, give them the comfort that, that they need. There are so many others who are sick, and we pray that you will be with them. Comfort them, help them, give them the strength to endure the the trials that they face. Father, many of us also face those trials, and we pray that you will bless us and keep us. Father, we have so many uh, missionaries that this congregation supports. We pray that you will give them the courage and the strength that it takes to proclaim your word in places that that may be more difficult than here. We also pray that you will be with us as we try to take Jesus to our community. Help us to be missionaries here so that our, our friends and our neighbors can have the hope that we have. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Number 646, 646, the love of God, sing verses 1 and 3. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. 
shall he reconcile and pardon from his sin. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. Could we with the ocean fill and were the skies a parchment made were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky O love of God how rich and pure how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels like to mark your songbook, the song of invitation will be number 421, 421, Love Lifted Me. Song before the lesson will be number 834, 834, Salvation Has Been Brought Down. We'll sing verses 1 and 3. If you would please stand while we sing. Jesus gave his life a ransom yonder on Calvary, on Mount Calvary, cruel Calvary. Pave the way by blood that we might win a bright shining crown. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord. Salvation has been brought down. Go and shout and tell it the world around. Tell it today. Tell it today. Preach the word of God that we might win a crown. Tell the lost salvation is full and free. Spread the news all over the land and sea. Tell it afar, tell it afar, all over creation. Praise the Lord, salvation has been brought down. There's a blessed home prepared way over in glory land, in bright glory land, blessed glory land. I have trusted in his love and now I am heaven bound. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord. Salvation has been brought down. Go and shout and tell to the world around. 
Tell it today to people in sorrow. Tell it today and tell it tomorrow. Preach the word of God that we might win a crown. Tell the lost salvation is full and free. Spread the news all over the land and sea. Tell it afar in every nation. Tell it afar all over creation. Praise the Lord. Salvation has been brought down. Please be seated. Good morning, everyone. The love of Christ is as perfect as Christ himself. There are very few things we will see in this world that are perfect. But the love of Christ is a perfect love. It is the light that believers follow to live lives that honor Christ. We should know it intimately. Have you ever known something backward and forward, inside out? You didn't need to ask anyone. Other people could ask you. Have you ever known something down to its components, its parts, where you knew what each part did? You could take it apart and put it back together again. And there's no mystery. You know it. Many people... They come to know their jobs very well. Some people have hobbies or pastimes. They've learned so much about them that they really are experts. We have to be experts on the love of Christ. He deserves that from us. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians. He spent what is our chapter 12 talking about seeking Spiritual gifts. And towards the end of that chapter, he says, you should earnestly seek the better gifts. But then he says, I will show you still a more excellent way. And that's our lesson for this morning. Talking about that more excellent way. And that brings us to chapter 13. This great chapter says that without love, Many noble things that are certainly good in and of themselves really are not profitable and have no benefit because it's not of love. This earth will pass away, but the love of Christ will not. So we want to understand it. It's discouraging and painful when we think love has failed. God's word says that love never fails. So how is this so? Why does love fail? If it fails, it's an imposter. It's a cheap imitation that was more likely to fail than not. But love never fails. So how do we recognize the love that does not fail? Paul tells us exactly what to look for. Again, it's as clear as anything can be. Not hard to understand, hard to do, 
without the love of Christ, but not hard to understand. It's composed of things that everyone can do everywhere, but often we fail to do so. It's not a failure of Christ's perfect love. It was us. What are the components of love? We'll look at them quickly. Paul tells us here, in the book, The Greatest Thing in the World, published in 1884 by Henry Drummond, he asked us to think about a science experiment where a beam of light is passed through a crystal prism. And we want to see what happens. If you ask some guy my age to find a picture of a beam of light passing through a crystal prism, it's got to be this one. Would make a good t-shirt. But as we see, light goes in and out the other side. It's light, but it's a, it's a spectrum of colors. It's like they were already there, but now separated. We see each one on its own. And likewise, we can think of the love of God passing through the heart of the believer where God lives. And we're going to see some things. We're going to look at this list today. Things that will be present where love is present. And things that we look to find in ourselves when Christ is present in us. We only have a moment to spend on each one. There have been many sermons preached on each one, countless books. But that's not our goal today. We don't have time. We just want to make sure that we know what makes up love and what to look for in ourselves. First is patience. And notably, Paul mentions it first. Patience is love being passive at the time. Love that is waiting when waiting is the loving thing to do. And so many of you have had situations in your life where sometimes being patient is about all you could do. But there are times where, as a work of love, we're patient. Well, what are we waiting on? Maybe we're waiting on God and His timing. Maybe we're waiting on a loved one to have that prodigal son moment to realize the difference between where he is and where God would have him be. Maybe we're waiting on ourselves to get to the point where God is equipping us for a work that he has prepared for us. The most important thing I want to say today is is being patient is not doing nothing. Being patient is not doing nothing. Love is patience, so we are. Next is kindness. Kindness is love in action. Love in shoe leather. Love acting when love demands action. Have you ever wondered why people are often not as kind as they should be. 
Why is it that when there's strife or contention, that often kindness is the first thing to be kicked to the curb? Why don't we cling tightly to it like, like a flotation device in open water? There's something that all of us have in common this morning. Regardless of our backgrounds, our experiences, our education, our age, our opinions, our beliefs, there's something that we all have in common. We're only going to get one shot at this life. Only once can we live it. We only get one shot at today. In the early 1800s, there was a French missionary to the young United States of America. He had left his home. He had come to America to do mission work. And I guess he recognized that he was going to be passing through a lot of places and he would not be able to return there. I think the Apostle Paul was the same way. There's a very well-known quote that he had. His name was Stephen Grelay. He had a quote that was very well-known back when people read things. And he said, I shall pass this way but once. Therefore, if there is any good that I can do, any kindness that I can show to any human being, let me do it now. Let me not defer it nor neglect it, for I shall not pass this way again. Love is kind. Next is generosity. And you might be thinking here, hold on now, Bobby, I know 1 Corinthians 13. I don't see generosity in there. Well, yeah, you do. Because love does not envy. And love is not jealous. And when we're talking about generosity... We're not really talking about money so much. As a matter of fact, money's the smallest part of it. We're talking about a generous spirit that envies not and is not jealous. I can understand somebody being stingy with money if they're in a situation where that's necessary. It's harder to imagine why somebody would be stingy with goodwill. But love gives us a generous spirit, one that is worthy of the abundance of God's goodness. I've said before, I said to the teen class a few weeks ago, envy is a double sin. Envy is a bad one. Envy and jealousy come from when we compare ourselves to others and we don't like what we see in the comparison. A person looks on his neighbor and has envy. At the same time, he has decided God has been too generous to his neighbor. He's also deciding that God has not been generous enough to him. That's two times he thought he knew better than the Father. But in Christ, envy and jealousy... They won't be present, and that will leave us with a generous spirit. Next is humility. 
Love does not seek its own. It's not puffed up. It's not arrogant. If we're not going to seek our own, what are we to seek? Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek His will more than our own. Love is what helps us be generous. In the book I referenced, The Greatest Thing in the World, they had a good way of turning a phrase back then, 1884. Drummond says that after love has gone forth and accomplished its work, it returns and slips silently back into the shadows. Love hides even from itself. It doesn't want attention. It doesn't seek validation. What else did I say there? Does not want recognition. But love makes us humble. Courtesy. Now here's a good one. (laughs) We need courtesy today, right? The world needs courtesy. They should see it in us. Courtesy is uh, love shown towards society. It's love shown toward community. It's the way that we can show that Christ is in us even to a stranger. We show courtesy to even a stranger. Not because who he is, but because he is. And how we treat people is not based on who they are. Our standard for how we behave is Christ in us, right? And so we will see that... Uh, we have courtesy because love does not act unbecomingly. Love does not behave unseemingly. There's our tie to the scripture. More modern verses just plainly say, love's not rude. If we want to be a light that shines I don't think there's an easier way in today's world than to just have good manners and be courteous. It'll be such a stark contrast to the world, it will be like a beacon. And all that is, is not being rude. Love leads us to be unselfish. Because love does not seek its own. What are we seeking if we're not seeking our own? We're seeking God's will. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. We'll be happier with a giving spirit than even receiving. But love is unselfish because it does not seek its own. I've got the slide here. It says from John, Greater love hath no man than to lay down his life for his friends. The good news is, 
You don't have to jump in front of a speeding bus to save somebody's life and lose yours to lay down your life. We can lay down our lives by laying down our stubborn will and living for God's will. Well, let's see what's next. Good temper. (laughs) Oh man, somebody might say, look, you've already said we've got to have good manners. You mean now we've got to have a good temper? Where's that in the Bible? Well, love is not provoked. My version, the New American Standard Version, says love is not provoked. Some versions say love is not easily provoked. I guess they give us a little wiggle room. But love has a good temper. It's not provoked. It's not keep record of the wrong suffering. Drummond said in his book that sometimes a bad temper is not seen as something to take into consideration when estimating the character of a man. We can have a bad temper about inanimate things. Lawnmower won't start, we have a flat tire, but we're talking about people this morning. A good temper. What Drummond said was that having a bad temper can be referred to as a vice of the virtuous, the one blot on an otherwise noble character. Do you think that's true? Sometimes we might excuse it. We say, well, that's just part of his personality. He's got a short fuse. He was born that way. But Jesus said, we must be born again. We're asked to think about the prodigal son's older brother, perhaps one of the most famous of Jesus' parable. The father in the parable represents the heavenly father. And we know in the story how he longed for the return of his son that had left. And we can imagine reasonably that every day he looked as the road disappeared to where he could see it no more. And he longed to see his son coming home. He had imagined it. He he had visualized it. And one day it happened. And he sees far off his son coming home. And he runs to meet him and throws the robe around him. And the father, whose household it was, decided that there would be a celebration over the return of the son who was lost and who had come back. The older brother wouldn't have any of it. The older brother was a total drag. And you imagine how painful that was to the father that he would not choose to rejoice with him. And Drummond asked this question. He says, imagine how many prodigals have been kept out of the kingdom by the unlovely character of those who profess to be within.
Imagine how many prodigals have been kept out of the kingdom for the unlovely character of those who profess to be in. Why, of course, we'll have a good temperament because love is not provoked and does not keep a record of wrongs suffered. Next is guilelessness. Had to go to the dictionary for this one. <laughs> I think guile and guilelessness were common words in 1884, but they're a little antiquated right now, but let's understand it. Somebody with uh, guile, they will use almost any means necessary to accomplish their desire. They'll scheme, they'll use cunning, they'll use craftiness, uh, they'll work an angle, and if they have to resort to deceit, that's no problem. But in love, we know that love hopes all things and bears all things and believes all things. So we don't resort to those schemes and, and, and those techniques. There's a trusting innocence about the person who is guileless. Isaiah prophesying about Jesus said no guile was found in his mouth. And, and newer translations may say no deceit was in his mouth. So what you see is what you get. There's no attempt to uh, make you think anything other than what is there. Guilelessness. Love hopes all things and bears all things. I'll leave you with this thought on this one. Because of love, when things aren't good, we still believe in good. And that's important. Okay, the last one on our list, sincerity. Love rejoices in the truth. Sometimes the truth's not what we want to hear. Sometimes we wish it was something else. But we can rejoice that we've heard it. A patient may go to a doctor, and the doctor doesn't always have good news. But you want to know the truth. And sometimes there are things in people's lives that uh, they don't want to hear uh, about changes they need to make, but they can rejoice about hearing the truth. But love will always rejoice in the truth. It's no secret that in today's society, the truth is on the ropes. A lot of times, truth doesn't have a good day, it seems. But so our message, our message, if we're going to be a friend to Jesus, we'll always be a friend to the truth. And we will stick up for the truth and we'll defend the truth. And that means we've got to put in some work. Because I don't think in the world we have today, it's just going to fall in our lap every time. But we rejoice in the truth.
So that's our nine things. If we look at the list again here, these are the things that we find present where love is passing through the heart of the believer. I'll tell you why I like this. First, I like it because it's nine things, even though it fully captures what Paul has listed here in 1 Corinthians. I can remember nine things. (laughs) You can remember nine things today. But I like this because it answers a lot of questions I've heard and a lot of questions I've had. I've been in adult Bible classes and somebody would read from John that uh, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, and then we'll all say, now what would that look like? Well, it looks like this. And in another class we might say, hey, we're told that we have to walk in a manner worthy of the name we're called. What would that look like? Well, it would look like this. And we read where Paul writes to the Romans to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is your spiritual act of worship. How do we do about this? Well, we, we live out the law of love, which is God's will, instead of our own. Paul told the Ephesians in chapter 3, he said, I hope for you that you will come to understand the width and the breadth and the depth and the length of God's love. Okay, we want that. How do we get there? By doing love. And I say that for a reason. The list I've put before you this morning, they're all nouns. You know, patience is a noun, kindness is a noun. But when Paul originally penned these things, all of this was in verb form. And we'll come to understand it by doing it. I want to say something about uh, religion and define it very clearly. Uh, in terms of what what it's going to mean to me. He, he, Paul told in chapter 12 to earnestly seek the better gifts, and we should do that. We are in a spiritual kingdom, and we should seek to know and understand spiritual things, and we need to invest our energy in that, and we'll be blessed for it. And we're told to do it. There have been a few times where I've seen somebody in their zeal for pursuing the spiritual. Unfortunately, they come away with a negative connotation with the word religion. Maybe they've seen too many bad examples. Maybe they've seen too many times where someone wasn't walking the walk. But they just conclude that religion is empty and meaningless and lacking emotion and is just going through the motions. And that's unfortunate. And we shouldn't judge people uh, unfairly because I've known many, many devout people who I know love the Lord. And in their lives, they regularly or religiously practiced things that were important to them because of the faith they had 
and the love they had for God. And so I would say it should never be a question of spirituality versus religion, but spirituality and a religion that aligns with that. So if you're around me much, I think you'll hear me use the word faith for things that I believe. And religion to refer to things that I do because of my faith and because the love of Christ is getting a little traction in my heart. And those things that I'm going to do are these things. This is the road that I'm going down. The other elders and I, we've talked about this. We've looked over this information. We're going to go down the road together. And if you would allow me to quote Robert Frost, you come too. You come too. Someone might be thinking, all right, I hear you. I hear you on this touchy-feely love stuff. But what about, what about some important things? Okay, like what? Well, what about sin? Well, love cannot rejoice in unrighteousness. So, we're against it. And someone might say, well now hey, you've not said much this morning about doctrine. Are we going to be sound? Nothing will keep us more sound than the love of Christ because love rejoices in the truth. So, let's go down this road together. Need your help. Need your help. Appreciate so much, so many times, when men stand up here and pray for the elders of the congregation and uh, you doing that in your personal lives. And sometimes we hear, uh, with all the best intentions, and I appreciate it, uh, be with the elders so they make uh, good decisions. Hey, let me give you something to pray for. Would you pray that... The leaders of this church know Jesus and know his love and will lead according to the law of love. That's about all the time we've got this morning. All this is for the believer who is wanting to live according to God's law of love. If you've not put on Christ, the first thing you need to think about is do you know the gospel? And have you come to understand and believe that Jesus is the resurrected Son of God? The thing that you need to do above all and before anything else is to confess that name and follow the steps that lead to the full obedience to the gospel and be baptized in the Christ for your remission of your sins. We'll do that right now for anybody that needs it. If you have any spiritual need, 
that you want to, in a public way, come and ask for this church to pray for you, nothing would make us happier. And if you need to do that, you can do that now while we stand and sing this song of encouragement.